Hi there. Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick, and thank you for joining me today. In this episode, I'll be speaking about the relationship between the Holy Mass and the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. In 2018, I had the grace to visit the Holy Land. There I visited the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which encloses both the tomb where our Lord rose from the dead, as well as the hill on which our Lord was crucified, which is called Mount Calvary. Uh, and there you actually can kneel, can pray, and even you can celebrate Mass at the very same place where Jesus was crucified more than 2,000 years ago. And sometimes you wonder if there's any place holier than where God gave his life for us, where he died to redeem our sins. Well, that is what we will be speaking about today. But first, let us backtrack a little bit so as to understand why all this is important. So when God created the first man and the first woman, he created them in a deep, filial, loving relationship with him. And after living in this world for a time, their intended place of eternity was heaven with God. This is what is called original justice. Now, unfortunately, after they broke after that, they, they broke their relationship with God by disobeying him, breaking the relationship of friendship and the relationship of trust that was between them. And this is what we call original sin, uh, which uh, created a permanent rift between God and man. And trying to return to that relationship or to make up for that sin was part of man's natural obligation, right? The the desire to, let's say, restore the friendship with God. So that's a natural thing and, and an obligation that we have. So this is where the concept of sacrifice or atonement comes in. Right from the start, we see how Adam's children, Cain and Abel, would offer the gifts of their work to God in the form of a sacrifice to try to make up for those past sins committed by them and their parents. So in order to try to reestablish the broken relationship, in order to try to heal that wound caused by sin, in order to repair or, we say, satisfy for the offense given to the Godhead, to the Creator, it is natural to try to offer something, and in this sense, in this case, a sacrifice. A sacrifice that becomes a sacrifice of expiation, right? Uh, we pay through this sacrifice the offense for the offenses caused by sin. And that is what Cain and Abel tried to do, as we read in the book of Genesis, chapter 4. And we see this attitude throughout all the Old Testament, and it is even present in other religions, although sometimes with some distortions, right? Because they're not the true religion um, revealed by God. Unfortunately, all those sacrifices offered to God were really ineffective, because while the offense given to God is infinite, because God is of infinite dignity, the sacrifices were and will continue to be always of limited value, and therefore never enough, let's say, to satisfy properly for the sin committed against God. However, God taught his people, the Jewish people, how to offer these sacrifices in the Old Testament. This is what we see in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 6. God explains how to offer the Paschal Lamb as a sacrifice, which will be the way to be freed from the slavery to Egypt. And there are other several uh, animal sacrifices and other types of sacrifices 
offered in the new in the Old Testament, right, for expiation of the sins of the people. So in that sense, you can read if you want uh, the book of Leviticus, chapter sixteen, verses one through nineteen. And there's also what is called in the Old Testament the scapegoat. It was a live goat that was laden with the sins of all the people and then sent off into the desert outside the camp so as to take away the sins and transgressions of the people and take them outside of the camp. And there, well, this goat would wander and probably die. So for that sense, in that sense you can see uh, the book of Leviticus and uh, chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, there you have the description of how it was, how the rite was performed. So again, however, these animal sacrifices and most especially the Paschal lamb would be only types, right? Only foreshadowings of the one true sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ, the true lamb of God, whose sacrifice on the cross would effectively satisfy for the sins of all humanity, from the sin of Adam and Eve to the sins of the last man in history. And this was prophesied, the sacrifice was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. We read there, He was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquity. He bore the punishment that makes us whole by his wounds, we were healed. We had gone astray like sheep, all following our own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Up to there, Isaiah. So this was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the God-made flesh, who offered himself on the cross to expiate, to wash away the sins of all humanity. He offered his life, for our sins. He offered his blood in reparation for my sins and for your sins. This offering, this sacrifice offered by Jesus Christ on the cross had infinite value, infinite dignity, infinite worth, we could say. And therefore, it had the power to make up for all our sins. It had the power to reestablish the friendship between God and man. Besides, because it had been, uh, because it had infinite value, it could also extend to all the previous sins and also to all the future sins of humanity. And this is why it is the one and only sacrifice, sufficient in itself as a sacrifice that was offered once and for all. And this is what is meant in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 3 through seven, when we read, but in those sacrifices of the Old Testament, there is only a yearly remembrance of sin, for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats take away sins. For this reason, when he, Christ, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Holocausts and sin offerings you took no delight in. Then I said, as it is written of me in the scroll, Behold, I come to do your will, O God. And a bit further we read this. Every priest stands daily at his ministry, 
offering frequently those same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But this one offered one sacrifice for sins. For by the one offering he has made perfect forever those who are being consecrated. Up to there, the book, the letter to the Hebrews. So this is the one sacrifice that truly atones for our sins, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. This is a sacrifice of infinite value that is offered in propitiation for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of every person who ever lived and will ever live. Without this sacrifice, the doors of heaven would permanently be closed to us. Without this sacrifice, you would not be able to enter heaven. And because it is of infinite value and merit, after this sacrifice on the cross, there is no need to offer any other sacrifice in expiation for our sins. However, our Lord Jesus Christ wanted us to have a direct access to all those gifts and supernatural graces that flow from the cross. And he wanted us to have a permanent or perpetual, we could say, memorial of that sacrifice. This is why he instituted the sacrament of the Eucharist. Right? The sacrament of the Eucharist, the Mass, is this permanent extension of the sacrifice of the cross. On the night before he died on the cross, during the Last Supper, he instituted the sacrament by which he would extend the presence throughout all history of his one sacrifice offered on the cross. Of course, this is not easy to us, uh, for us to understand. It's a mystery, we say. That is something, a mystery is something we cannot comprehend and we cannot completely grasp. We could only vaguely start to understand. In this case, the mystery is in the fact that through the sacrifice of the Mass offered by a Catholic priest, our Lord makes present on the altars of our churches the very same sacrifice that he had offered in a bloody manner on the cross. So when the Mass, the Holy Mass, is celebrated, there on the altar, the priest is making present the very same sacrifice of Christ on the cross in such a way that being at the foot of the altar is being at the foot of the cross on Mount Calvary in a mystical but real way. Right? So this is why we say that the Mass is first and foremost a sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And this is what we read in the Catechism number 1323. At the Last Supper, on the night he was betrayed, our Savior instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood. He did this in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross throughout the ages, until he should come again. And so entrust to us, to his beloved spouse, the Church, a memorial of his death and resurrection, a sacrament in which Christ is consumed, the mind is filled with grace and a pledge of future glory is given to us. Quoting there, the Catechism is quoting the Vatican Council Sacrosantum Concilium number 47. So whenever you go to Mass, it is like visiting the place of the crucifixion in Jerusalem. More than that, it is like actually being there at the very moment when Jesus was crucified and died for our salvation. So this is not something of small matter. This is very important. 
So in that sense, the sacrifice of Christ is not repeated again on the altar. Jesus is not sacrificed anew. Right? The Mass is the very same sacrifice of Christ extended in time and made present here on the altar by the priest. Of course, there's no greater possible offering that we can make to God than the Mass. There isn't any prayer more powerful than the prayer of Jesus Christ on the cross. There isn't any action that can give us greater graces than the sacrifice of our Lord. And there, is any, there isn't any action that we can do that would give greater glory to God than the offering of the sacrifice of the Mass. And this is why I want to encourage you to attend Mass not only on Sundays, which is a precept of the Church, but also during weekdays as well. In that way, you can offer your entire life to God. You can glorify Him like you couldn't do in any other way. And you are given all the graces you need to live a holy life. This is why the Catholic Church says in the Vatican Council that the Mass is the source and the summit of all Christian life. The source, because from it we receive all the graces and inspirations that we need, and the summit, because through it, we offer back to God everything that he has given us. And in another place, the Council also says that in the Blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the Church, namely Christ himself. And you can read this in the Catechism number 1324. So again, I encourage you to go to Mass daily. That will definitely change your life for the better. And if your schedule does not allow you to go to daily Mass, to go as many times as you can throughout the week, and the other days to go at least and visit our Lord in the tabernacle, who is waiting there for you to visit Him. So let us value more the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Mass. Let us see it as a true sacrifice of Christ whenever we go to Mass. So thank you for spending this time with me today. Please follow this podcast on your platform, and if possible, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Next week, we hope to see the purposes or ends of the Mass and uh, understand more the meaning of the Holy Mass. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.